Welcome to Brand New Doctor. My name is Rola Carajo, doctor turned healthcare graphic designer and brand strategist. This is the show where we share big ideas and look for inspiration in all kinds of places to help you grow a fulfilling career in healthcare. Following a path to success is one thing, but carving your own is another. So this is for you if you want to go beyond book smart. So my guest today is joining me from Texas. His name is Alex Bilstein, and he has been working in the field of user experience for over 20 years, designing, building, and implementing digital solutions. For the past decade, he's been focusing his talents on improving the healthcare experience by creating human-centered solutions with a range of companies, both large and small. Currently, he's the director of user experience at a company called Babson Diagnostics. And there he's leading a team that is reimagining blood testing to have a patient-centered focus. He's also building a community for healthcare UX designers called Design with Care. So Alex is always sharing really useful resources around healthcare and design. And somehow he heard about a webinar I gave on branding and health tech and shared this too. And that's how we started talking. So I'm really glad that you did. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to be here with you. And I was really glad that I found your your podcast. Um, it's exactly the type of thing that I'm that I'm looking for. So I'm glad you're doing it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's always nice to hear. So, I mean, years ago, I wouldn't have known that this work where there's a cross-section of healthcare and design existed. And I'm really, really glad that we are having this conversation because there are plenty of people who don't normally get to talk to people like you. So it would be great for them to get your perspective on healthcare as well. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really know that this was a, a thing either when I started. Um, I kind of I kind of fell into it accidentally, which I, I've heard a lot of people maybe other than clinicians, um, kind of get into healthcare, um, they sort of fall into it. Well, that's my first question, really, because I know you didn't grow up dreaming of becoming a UX designer um, or indeed having the position that you do now as director of user experience. So how did you end up here? Um, yeah, I mean, part of it was I wasn't really dreaming of anything in, in particular. Um, I was not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I was one of those sort of perpetual students and I was an undergraduate for a long time and, and was just working at a bank and trying to figure out what to do. And then I got a, a letter from the university saying, you can't take any more undergraduate classes. You have to graduate and, and enter a graduate program if you want to keep, keep taking classes. So that's kind of how, how, how much I was drifting. And so I went to my guidance counselor and said, what's the quickest path to graduate? And they said, if you take these two classes, you can get an art history degree. And I said, great, we'll do that. Okay. So you know, it was really sort of, uh, you know, happenstance of, of even what I graduated with. But at that time, the, the web was just starting to take off and I was trying to sort of deconstruct websites um, and see how they were built and was just building them on my own for fun and kind of thought maybe I could be a web designer. Um, and I didn't I'd never heard the term UX. I didn't know what a UX designer was or anything. So. That was really just where I started wanting to be a web designer. I'd been interested in design as a as a as a student as a, and as a kid, but didn't see myself as an artist. I wasn't a computer scientist, so um, but this felt like something that I could do. So that's that's where I started, was just doing doing web design. And um, back then, you you had to be technical as well. They weren't 
you know, I, I didn't, I certainly wasn't aware of jobs that were just design jobs. So if you, you know, maybe there were graphic design jobs, but not making websites where you just worked on design, you had to code as well. And so I had taught myself to code pretty, pretty poorly, but I could do it. You know, I did enough HTML and CSS and JavaScript, um, you know, to where I could build things. And so I did finally get in and my, my first real job was at 3M. Um, it was called the design center and, and here in Austin, which is kind of ironic. I started there cause you know, post-it notes and sort of the ubiquitous symbol of UX, but it was just, you know, I was called myself a web designer. UX still wasn't a thing and certainly healthcare wasn't a notion. And, you know, from there, I just sort of progressively from with, with each job that I went to, I focused more and more on design. And so, um, you know, I, the first step was sort of getting away from the, the back end of coding and SQL and things like that, where I was just doing the front end and still working in Photoshop, but I was still kind of the design guy at, at small companies, um, working by myself with a bunch of engineers typically. And then, um, you know, I realized I really wanted to work with a team because that was the the thing that felt missing. I was like, I need to grow more and I'm only going to do that if I work with other designers. I don't think there were really the communities that there are now where I could just go online and find other designers and and learn from them and, and talk to them. So I just I needed to go and and find a team to work with. And this is, you know, 12, 13 years ago now. And, the, and I'd had some colleagues that tried to recruit me to a company called the advisory board. And I looked at their website and I, it was, it was healthcare. And I thought, this sounds boring. No, thanks. And I said, no. And then separately, somebody put me in touch with some designers and they said, they're looking to hire somebody. And, um, I think you'd be a good fit maybe a good fit for you. And, and I said, okay, great. Where is it? And they said, the advisory board. Um, and so I said, fine, I'll go talk to them. Cause I want to work with a team. And that's how I got into healthcare. It was like, not because I wanted to, and, um, it wasn't even a notion. It was just, I wanted to work with these, these other designers. Um, and I had no idea what I was getting into or that I'd still be doing it, you know, 12, 13 years later. Wow. That's quite a story. I think it's, it's really interesting when, um, you talk to, well, it always was interesting for me when I was, particularly when I was a medical student or um, when I was actually practicing medicine, when I'd meet people who had jobs that I'd never heard of before, I would always be fascinated. Like, how did you get that job? Because as far as I know, there isn't a degree for UX design in healthcare specifically. Maybe there will be in the future, but coming from healthcare, it's very much like, okay, if you, if you want this job, you have to do the degree that has the name of the profession on it. So it's, it's always really fascinating to hear how people actually end up in the position that they're in. And it's, it was always inspiring for me as well to, to see that people could end up in a successful career without having planned it out from the very beginning. And so you say that you, you went in with the notion of, I want to work with these people, but not like, I want to do this specific thing. I, I want to work on this subject. I want to work in healthcare. At what point did you start to develop that kind of passion for working in healthcare? And also, you know, you mentioned that user experience wasn't the word that you were using when you started out your career. How did you happen upon that? And what was your understanding to start with? I mean, I think it must have been just the the maturation of the industry and you started to see more broadly. I mean, UX is the term has been around since the 90s, I think, but it just wasn't that broadly used. Um, and I think it was there was a company called Bluefish and the C, it was a small company and the CEO 
um, Mikey Trafton, uh, was a great guy and was really inspirational to me. I think he's the one that really, um, put that, that, uh, notion of UX and, and, and paying a lot of attention to the user. Cause even at 3M, I was designing pages. I, I was just happy to have a job in, in web design and kind of doing that thing. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about, you know, who's using this really and, um, what are their motivations and needs and that sort of depth of thinking wasn't part of my, um, thought process at that time. But really it was at a smaller company um, and it was from the CEO who was just really passionate about that, um, that, that kind of exposed me to, to UX. And then, and then I started just digging into what that is and where does it come from and coming out of human factors and HCI from, you know, decades and decades ago. And that it's much more than just how something looks and, and you, you're really trying to understand, um, you know, people's wants and needs. So um, it was a very gradual thing where I, started to think of myself as a UX designer and, and not a web designer. And I think seeing people that had other skill sets too, that maybe weren't visual at all. They, they were, you know, they were researchers or maybe they were information architects. And I started to realize that UX is a much broader and, and richer discipline than, than just being a web designer and, you know, and then getting on that team and, and, and like I said, talking to other designers day in and day out and seeing what they're doing. And, and that's, that really started to broaden my horizons too. And then as far as, you know, healthcare, initially when I joined, I was, you know, advisory board had a number of uh, sort of groups within the company that served different needs within healthcare. And they, they started off as a, as a research and consulting company, and they served a lot more of hospitals rather than patients directly. Um, and so that's where I started out actually was on the the business intelligence side. And so I was working to help hospitals and healthcare systems build their business. And at that point, it was still really about the design part of it. I was like excited about learning to be a better designer. Um, I started to learn more about, you know, human centered design and getting to actually go out and, and talk to users and observe them and, and, um, uh, you know, more deeply understand problems, but it was still not really the healthcare piece, I think, you know, just after being there for several years, um, I started to ask myself, okay, if I go somewhere else, do I want to stay in healthcare? And, and what does that even mean? Because like I said, I wasn't directly working with applications serving patients and they had that within the company and I wanted to do that, but I just hadn't had that opportunity yet. But I started to think like, okay, well, if I go somewhere else, am I, does that mean I'm a healthcare UX designer? And you know, and I thought I have this knowledge. I've, I've learned a lot of the system that, that healthcare exists in, in the United States. And I mean, that's one thing too, is like my perspective is very U.S. centric. I mean, we have a, um, you know, our, our healthcare system is, is, is what it is. Um, and it's not necessarily the way the rest of the world works, but so I had gained some sort of institutional and, and sort of domain knowledge and thought, I don't want that to go to waste. And so that's kind of where I started thinking about being you know, more of a healthcare UX designer and that I would continue in that, in that area. But it wasn't really until I, I got to work much more closely with the end users that I started seeing that impact and seeing how hospitals worked and talking to doctors and hearing how the work that I did could make an impact um, on their patients. Um, but even through all of that, I don't think it was until I went to Navio, which is where I went after um, Optum, where I really connected and that's because we were working directly with, um, with cancer patients and, and trying to support them. And I was hearing their stories and, and seeing the impact that we could make 
and really feeling like I was making a difference. So it was kind of up until then I felt it was more about, I have this professional knowledge and this skill and, and I, I, I think that's, I think it's helpful and it's useful, but it wasn't as, as personally fulfilling as it is now, you know, where I was at Navio and what I'm doing now is just incredibly fulfilling for me. Mm. And so what, what kind of impact were you able to have upon those patients with Navio? You know, we, so we were dealing with, with patients, um, that often it, it was glioblastoma. So it was very serious, um, situations and, and patients that were, uh, you know, dealing with very serious, um, health situations. And, you know, number one, just seeing the way that those people wanted to help other people. That was the number one thing when we would talk to them and we would ask for their time, we'd say, Hey, could we, you know, could we talk to you and try to understand how we can help you? And, and they were, you know, well, of course I'm happy, you know, if I can do anything to help other people, I want to do that. That's the thing that we kept hearing from folks is like, just, they just wanted to help somebody else that was going to go through the same thing that they're going through. And one thing that we were doing was you know, we, we were creating these health histories. And so we were interviewing people and, and then we were taking that interview away and we were creating a visual history and then sharing that back to them. You know, it was just incredibly like when they would look at it and it was, even though everything came from them, they're looking at it in a different way and they're seeing, you know, wow, I, I have, I've had headaches for four years and I was only diagnosed with cancer a year ago. And that was probably related. And I had no idea I've been dealing this for so long. And, and there was one person that, you know, we, we shared this back to her and, um, and there, and she was pretty emotional about it. And we asked her like, you know, how does this make you feel seeing all of this? And she said it made her feel very proud that she had been through this and that she was still here. And like, it's that kind of thing where, um, it just, it, it really hits you personally and um, it's a different kind of motivation for sure. Yeah. Wow. That sounds incredible. Just this idea that you can use design and imagery to kind of hold up a mirror to somebody and be able to appreciate their own journey in a different way. I wonder um, what you would say about the lessons you've learned about the importance of human-centered design through the work that you've been able to do? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there are cases where I think from a product perspective, we maybe lost sight of that. And, um, and so we didn't have the impact that we wanted to have. Um, and then there's sort of my own personal experience with, or my personal engagement with, with healthcare design and what I've learned there. So, you know, one, there, there's one um, case that I can recall where we were building something. Um, there were service line administrators at a hospital. And one of the things that they would do is they would share a quarterly report with their, um, with their leaders. And part of that quarterly report was this complex kind of bubble chart um, of patient opportunity. And, and, uh, and it took them a long time to put it together and, complicated uh to understand i think but um it was it was very important to them and it was kind of like one of the the key pieces of their presentation and so you know we worked with them to try to productize that and we said you know if we could do this in a way that executives could look at this at any time they want on a dashboard or something else like you know wouldn't that be useful um rather than having to wait for the quarter and so we spent a lot of time building it you know designing it and the the technology behind it and even just the 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 UI 
charting libraries weren't what they are today. And so there's a lot of effort to build it. And we got it in front of executives and they were like, we don't really, we don't care about this. And, and, and we went back and, and talked to the service line administrators and there's, and there was this disconnect between those two where they thought it was really important. The executives didn't. So we had kind of lost sight of who the actual end user was there. And we, yes, we were serving the needs of this one group, but the people that were actually consuming it, we, they, they didn't want it or need it. And so, um, we had spent months in the end, it was good because they dropped it out of their presentation. Um, and so this thing, they weren't spending time on it, but we wasted a lot of time, um, that if we had just talked to them first, um, that wouldn't have happened. Um, I I've been fortunate that, you know, I've never seen anything that actually causes harm directly to, to a person. Um, certainly we've, we've all read cases of that. Like I said, I'm fortunate I've never seen that. And, and, you know, almost in all cases, the people that I worked with just really cared about patients and the users. And so that's not something I've had to deal with, fortunately, um, at least in any kind of intentional way or negligent way. Um, but the other aspect of, of, of human centered design, which I don't know, maybe, maybe it's more important at a fundamental level is, is like how I engage with my work. And if I look at my career and the times when it was more human centered in the sense that I was able to talk to people and connect with people and really understand their problem and see the impact, that's another big part of it is like the thing that you do, are you seeing how it's being used and consumed and how it's working? When I have that, I'm just so much more engaged in my work and I'm going to do better work um, than in those times when um, that wasn't the case. And it was more, you know, there have been times in my career when it was more of sort of an agency and you know, you create something and you give it to the client and they take it and you don't really know what happens with it and you don't get to make it better, et cetera. Um, and those are the times when I've been less engaged and I think didn't do as good of work. So there's kind of two aspects to that. Like, what are you actually producing? And then, and then how are you engaging with your, your work? Mm, yeah. There's so many things you say in that, that are really interesting to pick apart. I guess the first is that it's it's really cool, I think, for people who work in healthcare to see that there are other ways in which you can have a really big impact on people. Um, you can help people and you can see the effect that you're having on them without necessarily having to see them face to face. Because I think a lot of people who maybe are considering changing career are afraid that they're just never going to be able to have that impact on 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 people. Um, so I think that's really cool to see that there are examples out there. Um, the other is, um, is just, is thinking about how, how much you've learned about yourself through that process. But do you feel as if you, you, you know, you talk about creating products for people and really understanding who your audience is and what they actually want. Do you think that you have more of an understanding of people in general, of human beings? Man, that's a, that's a good question. Cause people will, constantly surprise you yeah <laughs> you know the the beyond healthcare i don't know that's hard to say maybe, maybe it does go beyond healthcare where where people i mean i believe that people are fundamentally good and want to help other people and and i've seen that just time and time again you know and, and I, I mentioned earlier that people people want to help um others with their their condition in particular um i did actually see kind of two two types and and one is someone that, you know, 
once once their illness or their condition to be as little a part of their life as possible. And so they're they're gonna they're gonna participate in the healthcare system to the degree that it, it's gonna help them get better, maybe. But they don't. It's almost like they want it to be a secret. They don't want people to know. Maybe they do, don't want people to feel sorry for them. They perceive that that might happen. So there is that that sort of type of person. Um, and I think both are valid responses to any kind of, uh, you know, health situation like that. But I think the thing that struck me was just just people wanting to to help. And that's that's what I've seen. Yeah, really interesting. I feel like that's the kind of insight that um, that you also get just um, that clinicians get as well from from seeing patients. So it's, it's, um, it's something I always say. I think doctors and designers actually have a lot in common, you know, in a sense, you kind of, you have to understand people, you have to diagnose a problem and then you have to find kind of the best, um, solution for, for remedying it or helping that person. Um, and I think you're in a very, um, kind of privileged position, um, to use the, the design skills in a, in a quite a medical kind of way. In fact, at the moment, you are working at Babson Diagnostics, and to use your words, you are reimagining blood testing. Um, but I know that it can be really hard to reimagine something that is really established already, even if it needs to change. And I see this a lot in healthcare and with our careers where people are unhappy, but they can't see or they can't imagine a different solution. What's your process for reimagining and re revolutionizing something that? we're so used to like where, where do you begin with something like that well you know one thing I, I was actually just talking to somebody about you know working in a domain for a long time and and, and having domain expertise and and is it a good thing or a bad thing and i you know it's the good thing is you've got that expertise and maybe you've been you've cleared some hurdles in the past and you don't have some of the um the time to or it doesn't take some of the time to ramp up the bad thing is you might be a little bit institutionalized in, in your thinking. And I think that's the the thing that you have to, I try to keep in mind all the time and try to not be constrained by what is. And, it, and it's particularly difficult in healthcare, not just because I think whatever domain you work in, there's sort of a way of doing things. But within healthcare, there can be a way of doing things that is behind it is regulation, right? And so you might, maybe everyone says, yeah, we'd like to do it differently, but we can't because of regulation. You know, regulation can be a really good thing, but at the same time, I think it's important to not get constrained by those, at least when you're brainstorming, when you're exploring ideas. Um, and so looking outside of the industry is really, um, really important. How are other, how are other products or services serving people in a way that we can, that we can learn from? Um, I think that's just really important to, to consistently do, um, and not just look at healthcare. And I love to have workshops where we do that kind of thing or, you know, bad idea workshops. What's the worst thing that we could do for this situation? And, and you know, you'll you'll inevitably learn something from that and, and something good might come out of it. And it's fun to do. So I like to turn things kind of upside down um, for those kind of exercises and, and just see what what comes out of it. Very, very interesting. I also love what you're saying about just ways in which you can um, shake off the the kind of presuppositions you might be making um, when you're trying to brainstorm around an idea and you're trying to come up with different solutions where we often go into it knowing everything that we know already and we need to find ways and um, creative ways to kind of shake off that baggage at least to begin with because later on you can introduce those constraints okay here's a cool idea but how do we work within make that work within 
the regulations and all of the the um the kinds of you know laws or whatever it is that would constrain the actual thing we're trying to do and i think that's also helpful to think about in terms of our careers too which leads me on to the next point because you know you are in a kind of a career or a niche that you've kind of had to carve for yourself and so that's required some kind of thinking outside of like the institutionalized type of like I did this degree so I go on and do this thing straight afterwards and part of that is um, networking which is you know really really important thing to do if you are trying to carve a path for yourself because I know it's a word that people don't really like to use because I don't know I suppose it sounds icky to some people but if you are doing something unique with your career you have to find like-minded people you have to choose your mentors you have to decide the relevant places to be visible whereas if you're kind of following a path these things are kind of handed to you in a way oftentimes you get a supervisor and you get a a team assigned to you even and so I think that what you're doing with you know design with care the community that you're building um is really great for people who are trying to carve a path for themselves I think finding or building a community goes beyond you know reaching out to individuals but connecting them together and that's a really great way to find people that you want to be around but how do you begin to find your people or build a community when you're just starting out and you you think you want to venture into a new space so for me it it was just about focusing on what was important to me and then just kind of sharing that out there and casting that out there and whether or not other people found it valuable, um, it was valuable to me. And, and in fact, you know, I started doing this healthcare roundup, this monthly roundup and helped turn into something else. But previously I was, there was another, um, kind of newsletter that I was sharing on LinkedIn. It was about UX events and virtual events when the pandemic took off. And I did that. I was actually doing them both initially. And one was because I had been sharing things with my team. Uh, locally, the pandemic happened, everything went virtual. So I said, I should share this with everybody since it's all virtual now. So I was doing that and I was actually getting a lot more engagement with that in terms of like people were reacting to it or sharing it and and seemed to be appreciating it. And the healthcare stuff was not so much and, and not surprisingly because it's a very special, it's a small group of, of people I think that relatively smaller versus all of UX designers could appreciate this other thing potentially. And I and then eventually I stopped doing the healthcare UX. Um, because I thought I couldn't do them both. It was a lot of time. And, and so I did the other one for another year or so. And then I just got to be kind of a grind. And, and, I, and I thought, I just had to stop and ask myself, is this, how much is this helping other people? How much is this helping me? And, you know, and I realized it wasn't really helping me grow. And, and, and sure, it was helping some people. I don't really know exactly how, because I'd share it. They might get some, find something and go, participate in an event, but I don't know what comes out of that. And so, um, kind of an unknown. And so I decided to go back to healthcare and just, okay, this, this is something that is meaningful to me. I don't care if there's fewer people interested, I'm learning something from it, which I wasn't with the other thing. Cause the other was more just about kind of curating something and, you know, on a weekly basis. And here, at least I'm, I'm forcing myself to stop and stop my, you know, my, my day-to-day job see what else is going on in healthcare and, 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 and experience, um, and then share that with people. And, and after a while more, you know, it started getting, um, some more people interested in it. And what 
happened then is people started reaching out to me directly, which never happened with this, this other thing. Right. So kind of like you said, people were interested that either they were maybe making a career pivot, um, from something clinical to UX design, or they found themselves in, in, in healthcare design, uh, and, and were feeling lost or they were just interested. And, and I realized like, that's what was really, uh, what I really enjoyed was like talking to people one-on-one and, and, and I never got that with the other stuff that I was sharing, the other content that I was sharing. So, so for me, it was just kind of sharing something that, that was personally valuable to me and, and then started to make those one-on-one connections. Um, and, and, and there are people that I've circled back with a year later and had another conversation. And so, and then, you know, I mean, here we are talking. So, uh, that's, that's all the kind of stuff that's come out of it that, that I've really appreciated. Yeah. I think that's a really, um, useful tip for people who are wanting to get out there and build their network up and connect with more people and not feel like they're just like handing out their business card in in a kind of disingenuous way. You're, you're talking about sharing something that genuinely matters to you and and doing it regardless of like uh, how many people are gonna look at it or see it just really just starting with what actually has meaning for you and I think that's a really great way to to begin things for sure um and it's kind of the same inspiration for me with making this podcast as well I really I really enjoy this I know that it's not like something that everybody is interested in like the average person on the street doesn't necessarily want to talk about the experience of healthcare um or what we can do with our careers and, and all those things but you find the people that will you you find your people by sharing what what actually genuinely matters to you and so i i want to ask you a little bit more about you know the sharing that you do in what you're doing every day you are sharing so many resources so i imagine that you are reading and learning so so much at the same time so you know which new trends in health tech and user experience jump out to you as important ones to dive into now if you want to stay ahead of the curve if you know for someone who's interested in either of these areas yeah i mean the one big obvious one is 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 ai i mean that's you know especially with chat gpt is like really blown the lid off of that and everybody's talking about it um, you know, and, and where it's going to fit into healthcare is, is going to be interesting. You know, if it can, if it can help take care of the, some of the, the sort of lower level work to free up, uh, other folks, healthcare professionals to do the more meaningful work. I think that's great. Um, you know, there's been, as you know, so much burnout in healthcare and there's, there's just a shortage of, of professionals right now. And so anything that, that AI can do to help in that area is, 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 I think, fantastic um you know where it gets a little bit uh questionable is is when you get into the actual medical side of things and you know even even us you know we're we're very careful not to make any medical recommendations with with our reports and we're not using uh you know ai for that um but you really have to know somebody before you're gonna um uh give them some kind of treatment plan or something like that. So I don't, that's, it's, it's an area to, to watch in healthcare. And, and, you know, there's, there are some more obvious applications just on the data side that, that have been, you know, they've been using um, AI for looking at imaging and things like that for, for a long time. Um, I think, you know, AR, AR augmented reality is, is really interesting. Um, you know, and, and Apple obviously is bringing more attention to that uh, recently. 
I, th- I think they're, you know, I don't think that's going to be something that's widespread for quite a while. Um, but in certain particular applications, um, you know, of course, it's already being used in education. But um, I would think for, you know, e- medical professionals, EMRs, things like that, that are approaching a scene, getting information as they come in, rather than trying to, to learn from a scene, for example, what's happening, but getting that, that information ahead of time. I think telemedicine is another one that we've seen really, really take off with the pandemic. And, you know, it lowered sort of out of necessity, a lot of the regulations and, and barriers kind of lowered in, in, in the states. Um, things where you couldn't practice telemedicine from one state to another. There's a lot of weird things that, that went away because they had to. Um, and, and some of them have stayed away. And you're seeing companies like Amazon with Amazon Clinic and they're doing, they're doing telemedicine now. And it's really interesting because they, they are not dealing with insurance at all. <laughs> they're just doing straight, straight, uh, you know, self-pay um, because insurance is just so complicated here. But I think those types of services be becoming more ubiquitous um, is something we're going to see even more of. And then, of course, wearable technology. Um, I, you know, I just love what Apple's doing with their, their watch and every year they're introducing in some, something new, some new sensor, um, or something in the watch that's telling us more about our health. So I, I think, you know, those are kind of the technology side of things. I think the thing that, that I'd really like to see is how we can help people make their healthcare more a part of their daily experience and and the thing that they think about and, and, you know, blood testing is one of those things that I would love to see everybody get blood tested, um, you know, at least once a year. Uh, and, and some people get to do that depends on, you know, where you, in the U S anyway, if maybe your work does it, but I don't think most people do it regularly, but that type of thing should be part of our, I think our regular, um, you know, our regular checkup, um, and, and a regular part of our lives. So how do we make healthcare just a more, or just our well-being, um, more a part of our daily lives? I mean, we, we pay taxes every year. Uh, it's not fun, but it's something we do every year. And, you know, why can't we make sure that we, um, make healthcare part of our, our yearly checkup? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would really agree with that point as well. I think that we are very much, um, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. I engage mostly with healthcare when it comes to uh, if something's going wrong, we talk more about like exercise and, and eating well and, and all of these things, but, um, but no, we're not, we're, we're not necessarily normalizing, um, the experience of hospital and such, which I think probably exacerbates or makes it, it makes it a lot more traumatizing when you do have to be there <laughs> all of a sudden, um, when it's completely out of the blue and you're taken, you, you're taken aback by something that you just didn't have a handle on before that point. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how we can work more with tech to improve preventative kinds of methods and things in medicine. So my last question to you, I would love for you to imagine that you are the dean at a university and you can influence the curriculum in any way you see fit. What would you want healthcare professionals and future UX designers to learn about the realities of working, be that in design or, you know, networking, anything that you can think of? What would you want them to know that would better prepare them to make a positive impact in healthcare? Yeah, for the for healthcare professionals, I, you know, I, I don't have obviously as much as much insight there. Um, but I know that sort of 
design thinking methodologies and principles have been um, introduced more and more. At least I think they have um, into the, the healthcare setting. Yeah. And, and even here in Austin, there's a um, there's a graduate program that's a partnership of, of the University of Texas and the Dell Medical Center. Uh, it's it's a I think it's design and health um, master's program. They have a teaching hospital um, where they actually experiment um, with uh, different types of physical en engagements and physical spaces, which is really interesting. But they are bringing designers and, and healthcare professionals together. And I think it's more often healthcare professionals going through this design program right now. Um, and less designers going through, you know, more about learning more about healthcare. I think in this country, um, for what would be helpful for designers is for anyone who's going into healthcare as a designer to understand um, some of the challenges within the system. Um, for example, just the systems themselves. So if you're working in some other domain or you're making a product, you might be able to to make that product sort of in a in a vacuum. And, and sell it, sell that product or service. It can stand on its own. In healthcare, that's really difficult to do, um, especially if you're going to have a big impact. You've got to integrate with other systems, whether that's an EHR or some, you know, a large health system's proprietary system. But you're you're going to have to be able to work with other systems, and it's really hard to get into those systems if you if you don't have relationships with that hospital or with the healthcare system. I've seen sales life cycles that take a year or more um, to get some kind of approval, even for a situation where everybody wants the product or service. Um, I read stories of, you know, Epic, the EHR, um, taking years, I feel like maybe even five years in some cases to roll out across an enormous health system. So things move a lot slower. Um, you know, at the same time, don't be constrained by that, but also you have to, you have to kind of go in with your your eyes open um, and and knowing that that is um, the system that we that we have today. Um, and I think also just knowing just working in healthcare UX is like it's just there's it's a vast um, array of opportunities. I mean, I, I have my particular experience, but there are people that are working in AR and VR and people in medical device design. There's all different types types of of design and. And, and I know people that work in, in large healthcare companies that don't, that don't feel like it, you know, they, they're just, they're working at a large company and they're doing some type of enterprise design. Um, so if you want to, if, if making a difference in, in individuals, healthcare is, is important to you, make sure you kind of go into the right, the right space within healthcare. Mm, yeah. I think that's really sound advice. I'd say there's a lot, um, obviously, again, we are in different healthcare systems, but there's a lot that you're describing that's very similar to what we have here that you know when people have a bright idea wh whatever field that they're coming from and whether they come from you know a healthcare background or not but they want to do something in healthcare there's a lot of you know red tape there's a lot of regulation it's hard to get in with the NHS and find your way around you know navigating that basically is, is quite tricky and um the nhs is our is our healthcare system here and um yeah i i think it's it's that if you want to if you want to make a change in healthcare you just have to learn to be patient with the fact that it's 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 a slow moving kind of environment um and not lose hope that you know anything important is worth 
staying the course with and 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 being patient and and um, and waiting to see you know where your hard work can take you so thank you so so much for for sharing today it's been wonderful speaking to you yeah thank you so much it was uh, it was really enjoyable wonderful thank you for listening to this episode of brand new doctor i hope it inspired you in your personal journey Check out the notes for a summary of the show with all of the important links. And if you enjoyed this, do me a favor, subscribe and share this episode with someone else you think could benefit from this message. I'd love to hear from you. So why not leave a rating and review? It really helps other people to discover the podcast too. You can also find me on LinkedIn as Rolakeojo and on Instagram as Rolakeo.so. So that's all for now, but I'll be back soon with another episode of Brand New Doctor.